Hey people, welcome once again to Steve-O's Music News. Looks like we're tracking episode 36 now. And we're recording this on a Tuesday, October 26th. Welcome and uh, thanks again for giving it a listen today. And today, I really want to focus a lot on comebacks. Yeah, there's some people that, I mean, we always hear about veteran artists putting albums out and things like that. And that's always true around the uh, fourth quarter of the year. So today, that's kind of what I want to lead in with first, the first uh, several topics that I want to talk about, and none bigger as far as comebacks go than the Swedish vocal group ABBA. They are back with their first new album in almost 40 years called Voyage, and that is coming out on November 5th. Now, the foursome previously said they would never reform despite their huge worldwide popularity. I mean, we're talking like 400 million album sales over 50 years. So the band members are all in their 70s now. Agneta Faltskog, she would be the blonde one. She is 71. Bjorn Ulvaeus is 76. Benny Anderson, 74. And Anifrid Lingstad is 75, probably better known as Frida. So again, November 5th is the day, and that's going to also include... A Christmas song. They've already released a couple of songs that are out there right now. Just uh, do some digging. I Still Have Faith in You and Don't Shut Me Down. And also, they have announced a new concert experience in London, which is also called Voyage. That will begin next year. Get this now. They're going to have digital versions of themselves. They will not be holograms. That's apparently what their team is saying that will appear nightly alongside a 10-piece live band at a new 3,000-capacity venue in the city's Olympic Park called ABBA Arena. Linkstad said of their reunion, It was such joy to work with the group again. I am so happy with what we have made. And called Anderson and Ulvaeus exceptionally talented, truly genius songwriters. Ulvaeus said of Falskog and Linkstad. I was completely floored by the way they delivered those songs. I think hearing Frida and Agneta singing again is hard to beat. We're truly sailing in uncharted waters. With the help of our younger selves, we are traveling into the future. Now, the digital avatars were created using motion capture technology. That is similar to that used in some of the Hollywood movies that portray uh, monsters and beasts. And the group was filmed in skin-tight suits for lifelike recreations. Both the uh, concert and album have been kind of mooted for some time. The Avatar concept, or the uh, Avatars, as Jovaeus has called them, were announced back in 2016 by music manager Simon Fuller, who is not involved with the uh, 2020 show. And then a year later, in 2017, Anderson elaborated on the project, saying it will take a bit of time it takes time to digitalize a face. It's fun that it's so technologically advanced. Well, in 2018, a TV show featuring the avatars was announced. It was uh, co-produced by the BBC and NBC, which has not yet been aired. Well, at that point, the group also announced that meeting up for the project had an unexpected consequence. They all felt that after some 35 years, it could be fun to join forces again and go into the recording studio. So we did. And it was like time had stood still and we had only been away on a short holiday, an extremely joyful experience. Uh, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting that these guys, uh, the band, they were really adamant. I mean, talk about, you know, 40 years, really. What's interesting, though, is that in the interim, their pop culture grew. The stage musical Mamma Mia debuted in 1999, recently opened again in London's West End. It reintroduced the group's hits to new generations. A 2008 film version made a ton of money in global box office takings, and it's an enduring family favorite. There was a 2018 sequel called Mama Mia, Here We Go Again, and also another big seller. Their ongoing popularity has meant that their 1992 greatest hits collection, Abba Gold, is the longest-running album on the UK Albums Chart. In July, it became the first to surpass 1,000 weeks there. And believe it or not, <clears throat> excuse me, it's still sitting at number 14. Now, long before the music and the movies, however, their song catalog was already one of the most successful and brilliant in all of pop music. They were formed in 72 at the height of their fame in the middle 70s. They had six of the seven singles in a row, hitting number one in England. They were Fernando, Mamma Mia, Dancing Queen, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Name of the Game, and Take a Chance on Me. They had three further number ones and a total of 19 top 10 hits. Again, that's in England. They were uh, a little bit different here in the States. Now, the reunion will also bring two pairs of once-married couples back together. Frida and Anderson were engaged in 71, the same year that Faltzkog and Yulveus married, but by 1981, both couples had divorced within a year of each other. Their romantic strife was explored with, well, as the word says, great candor in songs such as The Winter Takes It All and in the psychodrama of their final album that came out in 1981. The group fizzled out by 1983 without an official breakup announcement. In the years since then, Faltzkog has released 12 solo albums. The most recent one charted for a single week on the Billboard 200 back in 2013. It was simply titled A. Lingstadt released three albums and made occasional one-off recordings, but a lot of more on those uh, ladies here in just a bit. As far as Anderson and Yulveus were concerned, they had wrote numerous musicals. You might remember one back in the middle 80s called Chess that they did with Tim Rice. They long denied they would ever perform live again. Back in 2014, Frida said, we only have one answer, and that is no. No amount of money would change our minds. Maybe we sometimes say it would be good to do a song together again, just recording and nothing else. Well, it happened. In 2016, they did perform one song together at a party to celebrate 50 years of the Anderson Yulvea songwriting partnership, The Way Old Friends Do. Speaking at a London launch event for Voyage, Jovea said the band was as close as they've ever been. He says, quote, it's incredible to be where we are. No imagination could dream up that. To release a new album after 40 years and to still be the best of friends, to still have a total loyalty. Who has experienced that? Nobody. It's such fun, and we have been longing for this for a long time now. So I think the numbers at least pre-orders, have got to be staggering at this point. 1982's The Visitor was the group's last studio album. It failed to go gold here in the States. It peaked at number 29. The uh, only hit single to come off of it was one that got to number 27 called When All Is Said and Done. Later on in 83, Frida 
would have a worldwide hit with the song called I Know There's Something Going On. It was a long-running chart single. It, it entered the charts in late 82 and stretched well into 83. It got to number 13. Uh, the album that it came from, Something's Going On, peaked at number 41 and stayed on the charts for 28 weeks. It was even longer than that last ABBA album that I mentioned. In fact, that one uh, only stayed on the charts for 17 weeks. Frida has never had another solo U.S. hit. As far as Ignetta Feldskog, she had her own U.S. Top 40 single in 1983 called Can't Shake Loose. I always thought that sounded a lot like Olivia Newton-John singing on that. She did peak at number 29 with that. That came from her album, Wrap Your Arms Around Me. And funny enough, despite their worldwide successes, the band's highest charting U.S. album was 1978's The Album, which only peaked at number 14. That's right, they never had a top 10 album or a number one album in the States. Sales-wise, 1993's Gold, ABBA's Greatest Hits, has been certified for sales of 6 million copies. So again, I'm waiting to see what the numbers are going to look like for that when that record is released on November 5th. Well, the resurgence, I'm talking about comebacks here, the resurgence of Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Dion, now well into his 80s, continues with the announcement of his next album, Stomping Ground. What's cool about this album is it's an all-star collection featuring collaborations with Bruce Springsteen, Peter Frampton, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top, Mark Knopfler, and there are others. In fact, uh, Boss Skaggs is one of the guys in this album. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But anyways, it's due November 19th. Stomping Ground, the follow-up to 2020's highly acclaimed album Blues with Friends. Uh, you know, Dion shared the first track back in August. I've got to get to you featuring vocals with Boss Skaggs. And the song was something that Dion's wife wanted him to do with Skaggs. He says, Boss Skaggs is one of my wife Susan's favorite singers, and I'm right there with her. I've wanted for decades to record a song with this guy. There is no mistaking his voice for anyone else's. And here it is, as pure and clear as ever. I was inspired to write the song after a conversation with Roy Orbison more than 50 years ago. And I, did I just mention that I'm talking about that song, I've Got to Get to You. Now that Boz has sung on it, it's finally done. It doesn't get any better than this. Skaggs would add that, quote, Dion is one of my favorite singers with a single phrase. He can open up a wide range of musical experience. His early rock foundation and doo-wop set me free. His style is timeless and beautiful to me. Again, stomping ground. That's dropping, as they say, on November 19th. Well, Meatloaf has a simple message for the world. I'm not done. And if the Bat Out of Hell singer has his way, he'll be serving up plenty of new material, music, and otherwise during the coming year. He's now living in Nashville and still recovering from four back surgeries in recent years. He told uh, a group that he's got his set sight on some brand new music, specifically a four-song EP that will include What Part of My Body Hurts the Most, <laughs> which uh, longtime collaborator Jim Steinman wrote for Bad Outta Hell, the musical. Steinman passed away back in April the uh, song debuted in February 2017 in England, but was put on ice due to the pandemic. Of uh, The song Meatloaf says, well, that was kind of a Broadway show style and arrangement. I'll do more of a rock and roll version, more like something we would put on the albums. 
You can also uh, look for a guest appearance on that EP from Sean Stoney Murphy, with whom Meatloaf recorded an album for Motown's Rare Earth label, while both were appearing in a production of Hair in Detroit. That was many, many years ago, and they got a little bit of a charting album out of that. Meatloaf also eyeballing a return to the road during either, well, 2022 or 2023. He says, I keep leaving messages for my agent, like, hey, let's do five weeks, 16 shows in America, we'll take a little break, and then we'll do 16 shows in Europe, take another break, do another 16 somewhere else. But he says that he adds he's got to be careful due to health considerations. I think Meatloaf is like 71, 72 now. But don't expect any sort of bat-out-of-hell full album show for that set's 45th anniversary next year. Meatloaf says, I would never do that. I mean, I'll do the album, but not in order. That's a terrible show order. It's awful. It doesn't work for a show. We did it live like that at the beginning with Jim Steinman, and it didn't work, so I moved the songs around. And as he waits for the plans to become reality, Meatloaf is also mourning the death of Steinman following a series of health issues. I told you that happened back in April. The two had always remained close, and Meatloaf last visited Steinman in Connecticut shortly before the pandemic lockdowns began in the spring of 2020. A little bit of insight, he says, I went to see him several times and would talk to him on the phone and get him to laugh. He was incredible, intelligent, one of the smartest people I've ever known. But he got mad. He didn't get mad at me. He he got mad because he wasn't recognized for the work that he did on Bad Out of Hell as much as he wanted. He is credited now more than he was, so that's good. So again, Meatloaf, simple message. I'm not done. And I like to hear that. All right, this isn't even really so much of a comeback, I guess. It's just somebody that's been out there for years and has put out an occasional album from here and there. But uh, just... A few days ago, on October 22nd, Richard Carpenter released Richard Carpenter's Piano Songbook. You know, one half of that famed 70s duo, The Carpenters. It features Richard, you know, because he's a revered musician, he's a producer, a songwriter, a ranger. What he did was he's doing piano versions of some of his personal favorites from the catalog of The Carpenters. They include Close to You... Yesterday Once More, Top of the World, We've Only Just Begun, and Rainy Days and Mondays, other much-loved songs that he presents from a catalog that has sold over 120 million records worldwide include I Won't Last a Day Without You, I Need to Be in Love, and The Rainbow Connection. He also offers a medley featuring Sing, Goodbye to Love, Eve, and rainy days and Mondays. Says Carpenter with a new project, I've not only been into music since I was a kid, but records as well and everything to do with them. In the late 40s and early 50s, the big three labels were Columbia, Victor, and Decca. In fact, Bing Crosby was on Decca. He's a big fan. Said when the label asked if I might be interested in recording an album of Carpenter's songs on solo piano, I could only think of my mom and dad. And what an enormous compliment this was to their son, who never wanted to practice. So the announcement of the album, which is, again, out a few days ago, has already been accompanied by a couple of short video clips. You can uh, do a little bit of digging there. The definitive biography of the duo, The Carpenters, The Musical Legacy, was uh, also basically published in the same week as the new album that came out. That that actually came out, uh, what was that, October 19th? So 
about a week ago. Their story is told for the first time from the perspective of Richard Carpenter, based on over 100 hours of exclusive interviews, and it also features some 200 photographs from Richard's personal archive, many of them which were never published. Again, the Piano Songbook is now out October 22nd. If you want, uh, I, I think maybe a few diehard Carpenters fans would probably end up wanting to pick up that collection. A couple of notable birthdays, one today for sure, William Bootsy Collins. He is 70 years of age today. So Bootsy Collins is a bassist extraordinaire. Got his start in the early 70s. He was working with James Brown and his band. And then later on, got in with George Clinton and helped play bass and sing and write. And he was on a lot of those great Parliament Funkadelic albums from the middle 70s into the uh, early 80s. In fact, Bootsy himself did a cameo on the Delight single called Groove is in the Heart, which has been a dance floor classic. I, I think I mentioned that came out about 1990. He's prominent on the video. He's prominent in the song. Uh, Bootsy himself uh, had his own solo career. He called it Bootsy's Rubber Band. And one of my favorites, his uh, 1977 album called Ah, The Name is Bootsy Baby, went gold and peaked at number 16 on the Billboard Albums chart. And then finally, a year later, his uh, Bootsy Player of the Year album also reached number 16, and he got a number one R&B song with a song called Bootzilla. Again, all hail Bootsy Collins, turning 70 years of age today. Again, today being October 26. I'll tell you what, a big giant birthday to tell you about that just happened a couple of days ago on October 24th, and I had a chance to interview this guy on the phone for Goldmine Magazine. We got to see him up at, up at uh, I have a, re a concert here in the uh, Iron Mountain Kingsford area. Chubby Checker turned 80 years of age on Sunday. And you know, on the charts, I mean, the twist, he had 23 top 40 singles. The twist was the only song that charted and hit number one twice. It, it, you know, in fact, I had a few notes here. It's, it's considered the greatest dance single ever. It was the number one single the first 21 years of the rock era, which they considered 1955 to 76. And then the number one single in the 55-year history of one pop chart, when it went to number one in September of 1960, and again 16 months later in January of 62 to make it two separate chart runs in the number one position. There is so much that could be said about the twist and the fad that it's become. It was really just one chapter in the story of the Cameo Parkway label, which themselves had nearly 75 top 40 hits, uh, 29 top 10s, and four number ones. So like I said, uh, Checker himself had 23 top 40 singles, but you got to add the twist in there that uh, charted twice. And eight of those made the top ten, with, again, the twist being two of those. In addition to his uh, big hit there, he had another number one called Pony Time. That was in 1961. And um, also some of his other big hits would include the number two, Limbo Rock. That was in 1962. The number three, Slow Twistin' in 62. And then a song called The Fly, which hit number seven, back in 1961. I don't know that, that Chubby has ever gotten his due, certainly not as much as maybe guys like Chuck Berry did, but 
uh, 80 years of age and very nobody really can say that they had one of their songs have two separate runs in the number one chart position on the Billboard album charts. Yeah, again, it was a pretty big thrill for me to be able to interview Chubby back, uh, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago now. So as we get ready to wrap things up for today, uh, this week's musical history segment goes back to something that I did talk about a year ago. But again, here it is a year later, and uh, courtesy of Rob Durkee with Media Base, I wanted to bring this up again. It was 42 years ago on Wednesday, October 20th, 1979, when the nation's number one song became history-making. And I am talking about trumpeter Herb Alpert when he tooted his trumpet to number one with the song called Rise Doing That. Again, this is in 79. He became the first and so far the only performer to reach number one on the pop charts with an instrumental and with a vocal performance. So a little bit about Rise. This was really a major comeback for Alpert because he had been off the charts for about 10, 11 years. And the song was part of an infamous scene on the TV soap opera General Hospital, which constantly got play and it just grew from there. Uh, kind of a disco style song. Um, you got to go back to 1968 with... Uh, Alpert had been doing so many hits over the years. He had 19 top 40 singles, five top 10s, and a lot of these were all, all but one, were instrumental hits. So here's a guy that he got to 1968, and uh, he sang a song on his TV show that had immense viewer response. It was so huge that they released this single that he sang on TV. It was a romantic ballad called This Guy's In Love With You. It would stay at number one for four weeks. He even gets the trumpet in there a little bit and a break in the song, but it would take him another 11 years before Rise hit number one, stayed there for a couple of weeks. And so again, the only artist to ever have a number one vocal single and a number one instrumental. There was a guy that came close. Billy Preston almost beat Alpert to the chart punch. He had number one in 1973 with Will It Go Around in Circles and then again in 1974 with Nothing From Nothing. And in the summer of 1972, he took his instrumental hit Out of Space to number two. So he didn't quite make number one both with an instrumental and a vocal hit. Now, I've also heard people say, well, what about Barry White? Barry White hit number one with Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. And the band that he often worked with and conducted and arranged its music, the Love Unlimited Orchestra, they did hit number one in 1974 with Love's theme, but again, under the name, the Love Unlimited Orchestra. So you can't really go there. So again, that was 42 years ago that Rise top the charts and always one of my favorite pieces of uh chart trivia you know go ahead you know ask that question to somebody name the only artist to ever have a number one instrumental and a number one vocal single herb alpert this guy's in love with you in 68 and rise the instrumental in 1979 all right there we go another wrap on steve-o's music news always glad to have you here 
We're keeping it to uh, every week if we can. So appreciate uh, you checking it out. We've got links provided. And um, we just hope you can tune it in when you get a chance. Tell your friends about it. And we'll take it as we go along and, and come up with hopefully stuff that we think is interesting and fine. Thanks, thanks to my daughter Sarah again for getting me all set up today. We'll catch you again a week from now with Steve-O's Music News.